0: Hello and welcome into to another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, thanks so much for being with us. And it was a quiet week until Thursday, the day we are recording. And then everything <laughs> went down, as, well, as usual. As usual. Mm-hmm. If, if, if it's a quiet week, just wait till the day we record. Everything happens. Uh, but
1: well, usually our luck, it would happen Friday after we record.
0: Not, well, I don't know. I feel like Thursday is the day, though, that Thursday everything happens. Yes.
1: Unless it's really, really bad, and they try to bury it on Friday afternoon.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. But <laughs> that's a whole other level, which, surprise, they didn't try to bury this on Friday afternoon. Uh, but first off, hi, Justin. Hello, Hello.
1: Caleb. How are you?
0: Uh, getting by. It's It It feels like it's been a slog the last, I don't know, week or two. Uh,
1: it's like, uh, it's it's tough. At least we, had the, we talked about this on our morning show. At least the sun was out today in yeah. Northeast Indiana. It's just been... Rough the last several days. It's just it's bleak. It's rainy. We're not even at Christmas yet. Just wait yeah, till and January. It already February. feels like the doldrums of winter. Yeah, it's a, but but at least we have IndyCar to talk about. Even though you know maybe some of it's <laughs> More not doldrums. so good news. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, not good, not good indeed. So there's a story that came out uh, this morning, and as we record on Thursday, from Nathan Brown of the Indy Star, hinting at a possible delay on IndyCar launching the hybrids as part of the addition for the engine technology for 2024, which I had heard a few months back that there was a chance this could be delayed. And then it kind of went quiet on that front. They had the test back in what October and everything was positive, all hunky dory. Granted, these are press releases. What do you expect? Yeah. Um, and then there was really nothing. And then boom, suddenly this gets dropped and it makes sense because I think PRI PRI is going on what this this weekend this week um so that's how these things work you get all the insiders and everyone together and news breaks during shows so
1: not the news that IndyCar wants no open
0: at, and but and again this is not the first delay not the second delay but now the third delay
1: and that's my big issue with it is I agree that you had to do this. I'm not saying you don't, but the fact that we're now in this situation again, to me is unacceptable.
0: So as Nathan Brown, the Indy Star, IndyStar.com points out the, the original target, they announced the hybrid engine plan summer of 2019, which is like just. Insane to
1: think about. Anything pre-pandemic is yeah. is, is an after. It's like way too long. It,
0: it, it feels like a different lifetime, right? It does. Like there's a clear demarcation. Yes. Between pre-pandemic 2019 and, post-pandemic, and right? 2020. So that's when it was first announced. And the goal was 2022. All right? Gives you plenty of time. You put out bids, everything. Well, then the pandemic happened. It got delayed a year. Understandable. You get a pass for that. Yes. And then... Uh, then it got delayed yet again, and...
1: That was for supply shortage. They supply, just kept yeah, trying again, to
0: say... Pandemic, first delay, because mer- there's there no way they're going to make any progress, right? right. And then supply chain, I get that. But then after 2022, and I get they're still citing supply chain issues, but I mean, I understand getting these parts, but how long has this
1: been worked on? Way too long. This is... This can't happen.
0: I mean, and then remember, they they did change from the you know, spec provider to a different one, is my understanding in this process. Marshall right. Pruitt outlined that. And then they've had the test, but the real problem is they don't have enough units. Well, you, you got to build things up and the engines are the same. It's not like they changed the engine formula right. either. So I guess the biggest frustration is, once again, this is our... You know, one step forward, two steps back, off-season story, and this feels worse than some of the other ones we've had in recent years.
1: Yeah, I just, um you, you can't allow this to happen as a series, right? I mean, just, it's, y- you're looking, you, you can blame, you can blame supply chains, you can blame this, that, or the other, but the, the firm responsibility is the series to not allow this to happen, and it did, and now here you are, kind of a, a a joke again, and and now it's like a further joke is the fact that okay after the five hundred like just just scrap it until next year.
0: That's that's like, my biggest like thing. seriously the uh, competitive advantage that teams, your Pinskys and Ganassi's in particular who've had more su- substantial testing along which, with which Karen is another McLaren. part of this
1: story that we'll get yeah. to
0: right. Um, I think the crazy part is and, and Nathan Brown points this out. So when it was bumped back to 2024 due to supply chain issues, whatever. Um, but then a year and a day ago, as of today here on December 7th, uh, IndyCar and the OEMs announced they'd forgo pairing the still in development hybrid unit with a brand new 2.4 liter V6 engine in favor of the 2.2 liter version that had been in use since 2012. So basically almost a year to the day you keep the same engine formula.
1: So not only are they pushing it back, they're taking things away that they were going to do.
0: Yeah. Then you have Honda and Chevy have to do more because male M a H L E who was developing the hybrid unit. Well, they were not making the timelines work. Right. So, um, now they have to do more kind of the same thing that Honda and Chevy were having to do with the new engines, but without a third OEM, it was kind of pointless. It just, I I don't know. It's, kicking the can down the road or kicking the the same ball, right? It just, it feels like that with this process. And it's frustrating because I think the overarching thing that a lot of fans feel is Penske came in in November of 2019, uh, took over the series and the Indy 500 as far in the Indianapolis motor speedway, which obviously runs the Indy 500. And you thought this was this clear thing. Now the pandemic like, there's nothing you can do, right? You get a, a complete pass for 2020, and quite honestly, yeah, like, 2021.
1: Yeah, but we're, like, years removed from that. Exactly. Like, what's the excuse now?
0: Well, and I guess that's my point. Like, yeah, you got delayed by a, a year or two because of the pandemic, and understandably so. I'm not not being critical Correct. because of that. But he, it's like hearing businesses now say, oh, you know, supply chain issues, or, oh, you know, we're short-staffed. It's yeah. 2023.
1: About twenty twenty four. I, this I am no not longer hearing an excuse.
0: any excuses when it comes to supply chain stuff or being short staffed. That's a choice. Yes. That is not due to disruptions
1: in the market. That is poor planning, that is poor execution, and it falls on IndyCar to make sure both of those things are happening. And, and the they worst failed.
0: And the worst thing IndyCar could do they're actually going to try to do, which is not start the season with the hybrids because it's not going to be ready for every team. Remember, they're supposed to test this week with every full time team uh, with a hybrid unit. Well, but they not, weren't ready
1: for that. Not every full time team has a hybrid unit. So that's scrapped.
0: But instead of just delaying a year, which is, again, super annoying, but would be the fair thing to do. They're looking at adding hybrids back into the equation Mid-season after the Indy 500. And this is where you really lose. Well,
1: this is like, when are you going to do it? Because you have consecutive race weekends after the 500. You can't say, okay, Memorial Day weekend, we're going to be doing this. And a week later in Michigan, in Detroit, we're having hybrid units, right? And then after that, you have Road America. This is, I I am saying right now, this is going to be delayed for an entire season. It makes no sense to try to do it in the middle of the year.
0: I would be shocked if they implement this in-season because... You're literally changing the the engine formula, so to speak, mid year. Mid year, like it's not like an F one where they have this, you know, brakes and then they come in with new aero bits updates, and pieces. Yes. Yeah, you know, for every race, you're completely this is changing,
1: changing changing how the, you the race. Formula for yes. the series, everything from from uh, you know baselines to 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 pit stops in terms of your mileage and and how it how it how it drives and all this stuff. Like it. it because it's going to be heavier once you put that stuff back in. So it's going to change how it's like, you cannot do it. The only thing that would make sense. And even this doesn't make sense to me because there are only four, four races, maybe five after this is you do it during the Olympic break. But even then I'm like, just wait till 2024 because the problem too, is you have limited testing time in season or out of season. So when are you going to test this thing? If it's not ready for St. Pete, then when are you going to have all the teams test this thing over the course of the season? They have bigger things to worry about than trying to test technology that's not currently being raced with. They're trying to perfect their cars for the next race the next week. So you can't expect the teams to say, hey, here's your hybrid unit, your test coming up. You need to test this as opposed to the car you're going to race with the next six races. So you just need to scrap it for 2024 and come in in 2025, which is a phenomenal disappointment, but it's the best option.
0: From a competitive standpoint, it feels like a must. I mean, again, teams have significant testing advantages already, and here's, here's my problem with this entire process. Remember in 2012 when IndyCar made sure it, they there were drivers, you know, outside of full time status.
1: That were testing that stuff. They were testing. Yeah, you had testing Dan the new Weldon testing. Yes. You mm-hmm. had,
0: I think, Oriel
1: Servia. I think it was, yeah, Oriel Servia who's so part time at that point.
0: It was a way to make sure that there wasn't really some sort of giant competitive advantage. Now, Dan Weldon was set to obviously go on and race for Andretti the following year and then we, we know what happened at, at Las Vegas, unfortunately. But like you can't take guys who are competing full time and then give them that kind of advantage. Yeah. And then roll it out from a testing standpoint to, Oh, now everyone has access. Like I I just, I don't like that aspect of the process.
1: No, I feel that would be a good approach. And then now correct me if I'm wrong now, 2012, how did it work with the DW 12 when you were unveiling it is, did everybody then get the chassis at once, at least one car? So right now, you're looking at Penske, Ganassi, Andretti, and, and McLaren as those four teams that have turned laps with the hybrid. The other six teams in IndyCar have not turned a single lap. To my knowledge, they don't even have a hybrid setup. Yet the other four teams, think about this. They're the ones that have not only tested, but during this entire break are being able to go over Every bit of data and being able to race with the hybrid, they have an advantage right now because not only do they have seat time, they have data and that's not fair. If I'm coin, if I'm carpenter, if I am all these, the home is, I'm like, this isn't fair. And people keep saying, well, they're the most equipped to be able to do the testing, which is bogus to my, to me, because m- I think correct me if I'm wrong, every team now has full time employees. Not all of them, but they keep team they keep remember it's not like oh we're laying off all our, our Yeah, which our, used
0: to be the norm right. where you know crews would get laid off especially after the smaller the, teams the season, get you know, come about into September, October, and then they'd be brought back on, you know, January, February. There'd usually right. be like a two, three month layoff period. That that doesn't happen anymore and it hasn't happened in IndyCar. For I don't know about a decade, like right. it's it's been a long time, and all these teams, even if they don't even have like a, a drive, like Coin doesn't have any drivers confirmed. So I guess I would understand in that aspect. Them. But all the other teams, like there's someone who could do this:
1: Carpenter, huncos Ray Hall. They and have I, drivers,
0: and I get that people are say, "Well, don't you want like the most experienced drivers and teams with the most resources doing all the testing?" No, you should actually have. A, a separate driver doing testing, like why isn't Ryan hunter Ray, for example, doing the testing?
1: Yes, Con- um, Connor Daly. Although is he he's locked in for a seat, isn't he? No, no, no. he's not. Not full. He can do the testing.
0: Like so. those are two very obvious choices, right? right? James Hinchcliffe. Yeah, <laughs> <I> mean, yeah. <laughs> like we can come up with a, a handful of names that it would not give some sort of massive competitive advantage because these are drivers either not competing full time or only doing one to a small handful of races
1: yeah it's uh it's mind-boggling to me it shouldn't surprise me um but it but it kind of does with with this is is this the end result hopefully at the light of the end of the tunnel is is an improvement i guess on a lot of things but I, i just at this point Hybrid doesn't excite me. It didn't excite me at the time when it was announced because you're still dealing with the same car. You're still doing with the same engine. So what are we, what are we really doing here? And you can't even do this on time. So when we do come to, I don't know, some sort of new engine spec at some point, hopefully you and I are still alive. Same thing with the chassis is how long is that going to take seriously? Because it's been a a four year process for hybrid engines. Yeah. And this is going on five. I mean, not even hybrid engines, just hybrid technology. The engines are the same. How long is it going to take for engines? How long is it going to take for chassis? Um, It's just, it's disappointing. And it just shows to me a lack of commitment from IndyCar to give the resources and whether it's financial, whether it's um, testing time, whatever it is to these, these things should be tested, tested, tested ad nauseum. There should be tests every two weeks somewhere going on with these things in the off season to perfect them for March over the last two years. But they haven't. And now they're going to try to say, well, we'll, we'll unveil them after the Indy 500. I guarantee you if we get into February without everybody having one, they're not going to do that. They can't. Because then once you get into St. Pete, nobody has time for testing.
0: Yeah, like, unless they're going to set up a series-wide test weekend. Even which, then, it's like, okay. When does yeah. that fit on the schedule?
1: You get let let's say let's say in a perfect world you get a uh, mid season test somewhere for two days at Indy. That's not enough time for a team. That's not enough time for Ray Hall to figure out all the intricacies of the hybrid unit. You can't do that to a team. So I really think this is going to be pushed back to twenty
0: twenty five. I do too. Uh, I think that's eventually the point we get to. Just because I mean, again, we've seen how this process has played out so far. So why not? Um, and, and to me, that would be the most fair thing they could do. Yeah. Um, that's a better solution than introducing it mid season. I think in both of our opinions and, and how much of all of this just goes back to the fact that they were unable, unable to land a third OEM. I know we joke about that all the time, but I mean, remember you had Honda and Chevy, a new engine formula. They weren't able to attract a third engine manufacturer. They went with mail for the, uh, energy recovery system, the hybrid unit. And then they got behind. That didn't work out. And so then they put the onus on Honda and Chevy to once again do more work. Granted, they didn't have to well, think about this. They were working on the new engines and then they had to scrap that project.
1: Yeah. Like it's, yeah,
0: I mean, just like they were already working. So the car l- is lucky to have both of them still yeah, as the, partners and be as dedicated as they are.
1: The lengths that they make Chevy and Honda go through is not just you're lucky that those two are still on but it's a detriment to a potential third OEM because they have to carry the load for this series not just engines but everything else and oh yeah we we expect you to be pro, uh you know sponsors title sponsors for races and all this stuff like they got to do a lot and uh it's surprising to me that we've gotten this far without one going you know what this isn't worth it or, what are we doing here like you, we're not we're not making our, our return on investment whatsoever. So once again, I come back. You know what? If 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 it came out tomorrow that Mail was the low bidder for that technology, wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. <laughs> like a government contract, like you know, you go, you get what you pay for. Or sometimes, most of the time, and wouldn't be surprised if they had multiple companies bid on that technology. Went with the oh, we'll go with the cheapest. And now look what you're at.
0: Well and also remember this isn't the first time this has happened the aero kits right the the pitch was all these you know aerospace and other unique
1: companies would yeah, come in yeah that's bo- and bogus. it was just Honda
0: and Chevy once yeah, again having to, a to great develop point. and do the aero kits because
1: oh, all these companies are going to come out of the woodwork and develop these different uh, these different body kits and all this stuff no no it didn't happen it was bs that's a great point cuz i remember those words being said about oh the ingenuity that's going to bring Boeing was thrown out yeah, there and supposedly Lockheed Martin was yeah. going to get involved give me a break it was a joke and remember the first race those things just kept falling off all the yes. winglets and stuff get like a disaster. bits and pieces
0: everywhere it all over terrible. the track
1: and eventually you go to UAKs I mean just they can't get out of their own way sometimes and this is another example and 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 we would be negligent if we just let it fly because this is another example. Of the incompetence that it it may not be as much incompetence as in previous years, but it's still incompetence. I mean, look at what's going on. You're, you're you're delaying your hybrid technology. You made a ridiculous deal with a with Motorsport Games that was going out of business. You burned your bridges to i to i racing. And All because
0: apparently of a, a because, because of know, nepotism, a nepotism. Apparently,
1: I mean, seriously, what are you doing?
0: And remember, Formula One added hybrid technology first in what 2009
1: this is not right? a huge deal like <laughs> this is not some crazy technology that indycar is ahead of everybody else it's a decade behind formula one and it can't even get that right in a manageable time frame
0: yeah i i i, part, I, I don't know what else to say
1: partly i think the the uh the 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 approach of not developing new engines and especially new chassis is they're terrified how long it would take. They're probably Could be. Like, you know, uh,
0: well, I mean, and this goes back to I think the overarching part of all of this. So since Roger Pinsky took over, I mean yes, he he got IndyCar through the pandemic. Had it not been Penske in charge, would IndyCar have even survived? I don't know if they would have. I don't think they would have been able to afford to have a season, right? I can't deny that aspect in all of this. But since that point, it doesn't feel like a lot of progress has been made. Yes, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway looks pristine, right? The yes, Indy 500 is, is is on an upward trajectory and has been really in reality since 2016. Um, yeah,
1: you could say it's... It, I'm not taking anything away from Roger Penske at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Indy 500, but it was on its way up before he bought it.
0: And this year, we you know, who like, knows? We could potentially have another, you know blackout lifted local blackout lifted uh, on tv because of the number of tickets sold as far as being a a quote-unquote sellout because yeah. it's not really possible to sell out but that's the closest they could do and it wouldn't shock me if we had that but i think to go along with that There's, where's the progress
1: yeah i mean we're the further we get from the pandemic the less you can talk about roger penske and all these glowing things it is a series that is run by people that don't that are very corporate. They won't have any discussions with team and team owners in terms of issues. They shut it down. They they put a muzzle on them. They can't really complain about much of anything. The leader circle is like some super secret top secret uh, operation that can't be talked about. And
0: again, can't that's be something. Criticized. If, if they were more revealing on it, would be a great selling point. In the media, like it's, it's an intriguing thing, but the fact that it's so hard to get information and understand how it's, it works, it's you just can't wild. sell that on the broadcast.
1: No. Um, it is a schedule that lacks excitement in my opinion, in terms of big market events. I will give them credit for Nashville. That's about it. Um, the, the racing is, in my opinion, it is, it is overblown how good the racing is. A lot of and, and focus
0: I, on all all the the passes for yes. position, right?
1: It's better than Formula One, okay? But snail racing is better than Formula One, <laughs> but it's not as good a racing as you are saying. Cup. Turbo is better than. <laughs> yes, um, I know people refuse to watch NASCAR and Cup. Cup is a is better racing than IndyCar right now.
0: It is the races are too long. The races in my are, are
1: brutally too long, but there are better um, there are better finishes. In cup. Um, you can throw around the, the cautions and, and the gimmicks, and I get it. Um, but the end of races are much more exciting in Cup consistently than IndyCar. And ease of passing, it's easier to pass in most Cup events as opposed to IndyCar. I know people don't want to talk about it, don't want to say it. It's sacrilege if you even think it as an IndyCar fan. <laughs> but it's, oh, it's the best pure form of motorsport in the world. It's not, not anymore. No. It's a tired chassis. It's an old engine. It has no innovation. And there's two teams, only two teams that can win a championship and barely a couple more that can win a race.
0: Think about, so I think it's easy to always to compare IndyCar to NASCAR and Formula One, but I think an even better comparison would be IMSA in, in, in sports cars. Think about, so they announced their hybrid and plan the
1: innovation that, that at, at the
0: same time. Right, as as IndyCar did, they've already had the hybrid in place for a bit. Um, think about the hypercar. Think about what they're doing with that. And think all and, the OEMs that have joined. Yes, IMSA, and you know that's a sport that feels like it is on a massive upswing mm-hmm. in the last just handful of years. And I think it helps that you have IndyCar drivers and NASCAR drivers who participate in some of the events, and Formula One guys or or former Formula One guys. So there are a lot of names participating in some of the bigger events but as far as what they're doing with the MSA sports car championship which is the the main series th- there's just there's a lot of positives to, to get to I mean what over 60 entries for Daytona for example
1: yeah it's a off the season
0: very there. popular um you have Cadillac you have Porsche you have Acura you have BMW uh you have Lamborghini uh you have you know different chassis developments um BMW yeah I, I mentioned BMW yeah. Ferrari F- Ford Merced as far as like engines you have BMW you have McLaren, you have Chevy, you have Toyota, you have Lamborghini you have Aston Martin um Porsche I feel like I'm missing a, a few on the list but like you're able to attract multiple manufacturers and I get people say well the, the cost for entry is a lot less and yes, that is true but they've done a really good job of developing like this sports cars since they merged. Yeah. Right. Which was a big issue for that series. Um, having grand am and what was it? IMSA. What was the other? I can't remember. Um, It wasn't IMSA. It was something else. No, I can't remember. But since they merged, they've, they've had momentum over the last decade. And I just, I I think American Lamar series, that's what it was. ALMS. So, um, They've found a way to, to attract manufacturers, to get the hybrid done, the hypercar, all of these things. I just I feel like there's so much more momentum for what they're doing and the, the classifications and what IndyCar's been able to do for quite some time.
1: I think you thought that when Roger Penske bought it, it would give the series the ability to take some big swings. And if it swung and missed on a couple things, at least it tried. But it would probably swing, and he had home runs on a couple things, too. But that hasn't happened. And we've said it before. It's, it's not our money. It's uh, who, who are we to say how to, how to spend it. But I think the biggest thing is, is everybody expected, I guess, bigger, um, bigger, take bigger chances and, and bigger risks and bigger opportunities for IndyCar with Roger Penske in charge. That hasn't happened. We can appreciate Roger Penske for probably saving IndyCar during the pandemic, but also be critical of him and his team based on the lack of innovation and the lack of forward progress. 2% raise in, in TV ratings doesn't do it for me. I know we say up is up, but... You would think, I don't want to sound, I mean, you would think that there'd be a little bit more urgency for Roger Penske to make a big splash considering he's 90 years old. Would I mean just, you know, I, I don't know. I think his lifelong, this is the problem. This is, the, I think the core problem is Roger Penske has always wanted to own the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He's never wanted to own IndyCar.
0: Yes, it was a throw in. He's 86 for the record.
1: Oh, he's a young whippersnapper. Okay, I thought he was cl- closing. <laughs> he on He turns
0: eighty-seven on February twentieth. So, but he,
1: yes, but but yeah, no. To IMS your point, was IMS in. is is yes. the thing,
0: the IndyCar series, the NTT IndyCar series, as it is known, was a throw-in, right? Yeah, Along was... with IMS Productions, um, great to have, cool, great. Yes, but like IMS looks great, but you feel like the series still just kind of and. and I've said this for years until you have the, the series separate from the speedway. It just doesn't feel like it can thrive because the speedway rightfully so. And that arrangement is always going to get top priority.
1: And when it finances IndyCar, that that's why they have to be connected. But I think you look at it and for the past couple of years, you've looked at the Indianapolis 500 and say, okay, great. IMS. Great. Now what? Well, here we are entering 2024, still asking that same question. Now what? We had the 2022 500. We had the 2023 500. Now what? What else can you do with that event? It's it well, almost and, and, sell it out. You and know,
0: in, Kyle Larson coming in next year. I mean, that's obviously pretty right. Big but deal. I'm
1: saying, in terms of of behind the scenes stuff, he's done a great job with revitalizing, you know, renovating things that need to renovate. I get it, but now what? Is he just content because the 500 is is built up back to what it is? Shouldn't he? have okay this is what because he said that multiple times first this is what i want to do i want to solidify the 500 and ims first that's you can check that box yes he's checked that box now what now what you're a guy in a position that can take some risks and even if you lose 20 million dollars on something you're a billionaire whatever i just don't feel like he's he's taking advantage of the situation. And I think it comes back to, cause I really don't think in his heart of hearts, IndyCar is just what it is. The 500 IMS. That's what he is in love with. And, and, and I don't blame him, but just that same love isn't with the series. You also
0: look at it like this. I mean, he's a billionaire, but you also mention it. It feels like IndyCar is risk averse, right? They're mm-hmm. not trying a lot of new things. Yes. The Detroit move I guess was something, but that's they were basically taking a situation that was, wasn't really working for the city of Detroit, that wasn't right. working for the, the conservation group and, and found a way to do something. Nashville, I mean, they were forced into moving the, the circuit layout and got lucky that they could utilize Broadway. Yeah. Thermal club. Um nah. I don't know. That's, that's, that's just that's, it's a the, test track, schmoozing, yeah. you know, schmoozing millionaires. Your chums,
1: right? So
0: I, I don't know, like they're not doing these groundbreaking things. And and the problem is the comparison that we have is, well, Formula One has Vegas and Miami and Drive to Survive and NASCAR had the dirt race at Bristol. That was the thing that kind of started yeah. everything. And then the clash the of the Coliseum, Chicago, Chicago, like IndyCar is just still kind of, well, the Nashville race got moved on to Broadway, which is, is great yeah, but it doesn't register on the same level as those other events.
1: You know, it would be a risk, I think, and I'm not. We're not talking like huge things like we were talking last week with New York and Washington DC and stuff. But it's like, okay, make a Mexico race happen. You have Pato Award, okay, for who who knows how long? Because if he keeps testing the way he tested in his Formula One test after the season finale, he's not going to be around in IndyCar for very long. So make it happen.
0: I mean, I think if he wins a championship in or an Indy 500, he's not around very long.
1: And then you lost an opportunity because Mexico, if anything, loves their athletes. Yes. And it would show out. We see the impact even when, when IndyCar is close to the border in racing and how many how many fans come out. Like, Roger Penske, you could make calls tomorrow to make sure a Mexico race happens in 2024. I mean, probably too late now, but why isn't this a thing? Why, why aren't you looking at and say untapped market with a marketable Mexican driver that is well-known in Mexico and people will show up, yes, I'm going to front the money to make sure this happens.
0: Well, and that's the thing. IndyCar is, they'll say, well, we're already promoting Iowa and Milwaukee, which, I mean, I, Iowa worked because of the the partnership with High vee Milwaukee, we'll see how they make that work, you know, without some sort of Grand
1: Partner. Well, it's already sold out with no musical acts for the <laughs> Cup race
0: uh, at at Iowa. At yeah. Iowa, yes. yeah, at Iowa, and and that's the other thing. It's like again, Cup can come in and, and do this, right? Gateway, we saw this happen. We're probably going to see it happening yeah, in in Iowa becomes
1: an, a- an afterthought.
0: So, I I think the biggest thing is like, there's no real big event. Yes, they've held course on the ship. And got through 2020 and even 2021, but we're past that now. Where's the vision? Where's the five year plan? I think Marshall Pruett has talked about this. Like, there's no plan. There's no right? plan.
1: There's no. There's no
0: grand idea. It's. It, it feels like it's counting beans and, you know, making
1: sure all the. And then counting up the, the uh, dollars add up, yeah, but like counting up the TAD and by gosh it went up two percent from last year. We're on the right track.
0: And I get it. A business needs to make money. I understand that
1: but also you got to spend money to make money yeah roger penske knows that but he just yeah. doesn't want to do that he's spending the, the money on
0: ims He's spending
1: the money on IMS. but Great i point. feel like
0: the money being spent there like how much more can be done i get that they're always working That's what on i'm things. saying like what,
1: what else could you do you you look at the, the the speedway and he's done a phenomenal job but you're like looking at it like what could you really do here where, where do you look at the that the speedway and be like yeah they definitely need this that or the other i don't i don't I don't see anything. Yeah, I can't really think of a
0: whole lot of other options. So again, ultimately this conversation comes down to the fact that just, it feels like they're getting by and there's no grand ideas. There's no grand vision. There's no plan. And I think that's the part that's troubling because I think we all, and perhaps a bit unrealistically thought with him taking over, obviously we didn't know the pandemic was on the horizon at the time, but we thought, wow, IndyCar can like actually achieve things like get the 500 back to a good status, yeah. which, which they've done, and it, it was is. getting there at that point and by 2019 to begin with, um, and even before. But it's it's definitely gone to a higher level. So you check that box. You thought okay, third OEM, uh, new car, new engine. Like we thought all these things were possible, and they were working on, you know, a, a new engine back at that time, and now we're still where we're at. And it just, I don't know, it feels like everything's stuck. So it, it's. It's hard to feel optimistic that anything is going to change as long as this is the way the series is run.
1: And you're falling, with every year, falling more and more behind Cup and Formula One in terms of ingenuity. Now, could that Formula One bubble burst in the U.S.? Very possible.
0: I mean, I, I've always felt like Vegas could have been like the last big hurrah, and yes, Vegas got great TV ratings, but with what happened, basically you, you read fans who actually attend these races in Miami and Vegas. Now, Coda and Austin seems relatively okay, but the other two, you get a lot of negative stories about stuff. And eventually people just aren't willing to pay the money. I know with Miami, they, it was hard for, they sold it out, but it was a lot tougher in year two compared to year one. And I'm sure Vegas will be the same,
1: but that presents opportunity because if you say that inevitably F1 has to fall off and you said people will, will no longer will to spend their money on formula one, how do you then lure them to IndyCar? They sure. could just stop spending that money and not spending on something else, not spending on anything else. Or you could lure them into IndyCar, but what's the pull?
0: Remember, there, IndyCar took over Long
1: Beach from Formula One. Mm-hmm. Like, what's, what's the, outside of two weeks in May, what's the pull for fans to say, yeah, you know, Formula One's got old, it's got stale. There's one team that dominates, one driver. I'm going to go watch IndyCar. What's the pull? outside of two weeks in May in terms of huge events there's nothing.
0: yeah I mean I I will innovation. say this the the, in, the event health for most of the races on the IndyCar schedule is pretty good. I mean considering Texas was dropped so yeah there are tracks where you you want to see the crowds go back up um, Iowa uh, Gateway. But like you have a lot of tracks where it's a big event: Barber, yeah, Road America, Mid Ohio, obviously Indy, uh, Long Beach, St. Pete. Right? You you have some positive momentum at those tracks, and I'm sure I'm missing a few others um, that are notable in that aspect. Toronto, um, but you want to you know Nashville? Will will the move down will that boost ticket sales? Like will this help? It should, but it just feels should, like yeah. we're it feels like a groundhog day situation.
1: It, I just it feels like IndyCar is spinning its wheels and it shouldn't feel like that with a billionaire owner
0: who is invested in the sport by having a team and I get it he doesn't run it day to day anymore but it's his team um he cares about it and you thought that aspect and again he'd have to Get away from the day-to-day, the team part, just for competition purposes, and, and rightfully so. And he's done that. But you thought that because of the direct tie-in with the sport, caring about the Indy Five Hundred, caring about IndyCar, it would lead to these results that fans have longed for for years. And it just seems like it just hasn't it's stuck in neutral. I, and I feel like I'm repeating myself, but that's just that's where things are at.
1: And I think we share the frustrations that, quite frankly, a fair amount of people inside the series share. If you uh, would talk to to team owners and all that stuff, just the 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 lack of flexibility or ingenuity or anything really, um, because there's a fair amount of team owners that have, that asked today would say, "Yeah, new car, let's do it." It's the series that doesn't want to do it. Yeah, and and it's just like that mentality, that mindset in a variety of different things i think rubs a lot of team owners the wrong way but they feel almost up against it because if they step out of line then they can they're going to get the ire of of the series it's just i i don't i don't really like the optics of indycar racing right now i really don't i think it's it's leaning on tired tropes best form of motor racing in the world blah 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 to try to propel it forward, and I'm over it.
0: I mean, these these headlines. Pato Award quoted in a Motorsport.com story. It's annoying that this new era of engine isn't coming with a new car because we desperately need it. Also, this. Uh, Racer uh, caption for a story. Penske Entertainment CEO Mark Miles believes any car stands to gain more from focusing on its new hybrid power units, again, this is before everything that happened, uh, than developing a new chassis to replace the Delora DW12, which was introduced
1: in 2012. It's a just, hybrid that is a the technology is over a decade old mm-hmm. compared to Formula One.
0: Now again, it's the the latest technology that they're right. gonna install, but again, Formula One's had hybrids, I believe, since two thousand nine.
1: Yeah, don't try to hype it up like it's some like you're doing something that nobody else is doing.
0: Yes. And, and be you can't fifteen even get it right. ten to fifteen years behind.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like and yet it's been four years since you announced it and you still don't have it.
0: uh if you agree or disagree, and I'm sure this will go both ways, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us at
1: NewTrackRecordPodcast.com
0: uh, While you're there, sign up for the email list. It's free. You won't miss an episode or any special announcements we have. Plus, we have t-shirts and stickers available for sale in the store for you. Makes a great gift for a fan of the podcast or for yourself. Treat yourself, right? Uh, also, you can find us on social media. IndyCar podcast is the handle on... Twitter slash X and also Instagram. And on Facebook, just search for New Track Record. You can email us, New Track Record Podcast at gmail.com. Support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash New Track Record. Thanks to Xavier, Rob, and others for their support. Again, starting at just $1 a month. And as always, you can download the podcast for free on your favorite podcasting platform Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Castbox, Amazon Music. Player FM, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, again, all for free. Mailbag time and quite a bit to get to from everything that's happened in the last week or so. But uh, let's see. Here's where we were last at. So just this from Jeff Zerneski from last week. Um, getting caught up. It's the off season. We need at least one article on third OEM international races and bringing back Cleveland. Um, let's see what else do we have. Uh, this from S two thousand underscore Moose. We got one of the moose. Ah, nice. Uh, we got we got them. So uh, first time moose short nation. time. Uh-huh. Uh huh. If Apple bids on IndyCar, it will be with Paramount CBS at all. They are likely combining Apple TV. Plus with Paramount Plus, I'd love to see races available commercial free on streaming as part of any deal. Mm. So that was Snarky Moose, who I believe is a a longtime trackside. Yeah, I remember. So welcome, welcome welcome aboard to
1: trackside. Yeah, great to have you.
0: Um, Yeah, I, I saw this announcement probably like right after we talked about this on the episode last week, but I think. That is the next step, and I don't know if that's the next TV deal because I think you still need a linear element, right? Whether that's the Indy 500 plus five races, the Indy 500 only, which I don't think you could sell to teams and sponsors, but that's where we're going to be within three to five years.
1: I do believe the next deal, whoever it is with, will have some sort of linear or uh, some streaming element. I mean, we already have it now with, Mm -hmm. with what, three races now on Peacock?
0: Yeah, and then the ability to stream every race on Peacock as well. But
1: I think you're going to see even uh, Cup has gone to stream only for some races. So um, I do think that's a thing. And I think the the bundling is interesting too because now you have Hulu with Disney Plus, Mm -hmm. which is all owned by Disney. And
0: ESPN Plus, right?
1: ESPN Plus. Well, I'm saying now on your Disney Plus app, you can get Hulu. Oh. Yes. Makes no sense for those that have the bundle, but (laughs) similar to you could see Paramount Plus with uh, an Apple TV Plus, and they're both on the same quote unquote app. So you could potentially see that, but I do think um, it's an interesting proposal. If, uh, if, if Apple TV would get involved, but I don't know. This is the thing. Um, I look at it too, with the T the, the series not taking risks. Cause remember when they put the the DW 12 out for bid and who they go with in the end, Delara.
0: Yeah. There's no
1: outward thinking. So in my opinion, there'd be me more money on the table from someone else. There may be more lucrative deals, I guess, streaming-wise. But I do think that IndyCar, whether if they have to take less money, will stick with it with NBC. Um, I don't think it's the, the management thinks outside the box enough, and we've covered that all nauseam on this podcast this evening, that they're going to make a significant jump. They should consider if the CW, for example, wanted to double or triple their money. But I think they're gonna be like, ah, there's too many risks. We gotta stick with what works, and that's 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 a whole issue with IndyCar in general. Is they're just, yeah, we're just gonna stick with what works. DW12, let's stick with what works. You know, oh, let's uh, th- these current events, they'll stick with what works. They're they're incapable of trying something new unless it's forced upon them, and that's why I think they'll come. They'll they'll re up with NBC. It may be less money. It may probably be less races on network but it's what they know.
0: Several uh, replies from the Mark Bile quote I mentioned earlier about chassis versus hybrid. Uh, Jeff Sterneski said, I don't disagree if it brings a third OEM that will infuse the series with more funding, which will make it easier for teams to buy the next car. NK Harden says, I get that people want to see a new look on the cars. Everybody likes new shiny things. I don't get the people that get so fired up mad about it. This car looks races completely different from the one that rolled out in 2012. Yes.
1: But but the, the, listen to the 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 drivers. Yeah, listen they, to Pato. They Ward. Want a new car. I mean, these are the guys that are in the seats that are driving this car, that are also in other seats. Pato Ward in a Formula 1 car. I'm not saying IndyCar needs the technology of a Formula 1 car, of course, cuz that's never going to happen, but I'm saying when the, when the when the drivers are saying this, that's a problem. Fans are one thing. Take us idiots out of it, mm-hmm. okay? But when the drivers are saying we need a new car, that's telling.
0: Yes, Zach C eight seven seven one. When you can't button your pants anymore, yes, a better diet is a great focus. But in the meantime, a new pair of pants makes quite the difference.
1: I really like that quote because we're talking mm-hmm. about the 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 focus on the third OEM. That's the si- that I'm not saying it's a singular focus, but it is the main focus of IndyCar, and. They will They will look past other deficiencies to try to zero in on that. Maybe maybe a new new chassis helps entice, not not solely entices, but the only thing. But maybe it's an extra little push with 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 what an OEM needs to 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 invest. I don't know. Lord knows, a twelve year old car isn't getting an OEM excited.
0: <laughs> no. Uh, and then you posted this. This was in the mailbag. But Marshall Pruitt, uh, racer.com, said, I've been told more than once that Liberty approached Penske with the offer to buy the series, and Liberty was harshly rebuked. If Liberty were to buy IndyCar and try and preserve what we have while applying its creativity and marketing promotional expertise to take it to the heights Penske Entertainment have yet to produce, I pray for it to happen tomorrow. Those are Marshall's words. The Marshall's words and now, then here now our replies because I think mean, there's a lot of well, good I know stuff.
1: there's a lot of people that that would never want that yeah and, and you can go ahead with the replies
0: so Jeremy from HPG said I don't want Liberty to buy any car and someone should wash uh, MP's fingers with zest since he didn't say it out loud also I don't think I want a Fitbit The <laughs> Fitbit is the ad <laughs> <laughs> and the screenshot uh, Christo said I don't think so Liberty will try and make any car a feeder league their eyes are only for F1 If Liberty were to invest and partner with Pinsky. And I'm fine with that. Uh, I criticize Penske and company a lot, but they are they are about IndyCar first. Ultimately, I mean you got to remember, Liberty's a part owner of Meyer Shank Racing. Yes. So keep that in mind. Uh, R. Cole only if they agree to bring back the US 500 at MIS and the Cleveland GP. Okay. Uh, N. K. Harden said, um, no, Liberty Media and F1 want one thing and one thing only from IndyCar to be a North American F2. Arguably, F1's biggest long term threat is the inability for young talent to find rides. They have already seen several F2 front runners or F1 vets move to IndyCar. Uh, now they want to have financial gain control over that movement. I want IndyCar to thrive, but not as a formal feeder series for F1. Ovals would be majorly downgraded, if not eliminated altogether, aside from the 500, because that's the only solid financial gain component. They've the series of any standing or acclaim and would relegate the 500 to a much lower status. I think the 500 stands alone as it is regardless. I mean, but I, I can't disagree with those points. Uh, in Captain One Eighty Five said completely agree. Uh, see see the above comments from N K Harden. There's one more. Our critic Twenty said I understand why people don't want Liberty to buy them. It's a valid concern, but let's be real. They would still do far more and elevate the series beyond what this joke of a regime led by Pinsky has. They can run a series far better, and that part is not a discussion. Which which again it's crazy to like read that from a fan they can run let it alone better think than about Roger it.
1: Roger yes.
0: Right? That's where we're at just over 4 years later.
1: Here's what I'm going to say to this is people keep throwing out well you'll be a junior series to Formula 1. My pushback is you already are. Well, what's the problem with that?
0: Like wouldn't that lead to more coverage? Wouldn't they,
1: exactly. That's what I'm saying. Wouldn't that be mean more people are watching?
0: If if there could be some sort of guarantee that you keep the five hundred, and you keep a handful of ovals, and and keep it essentially yes. how it is, with adding new, intriguing, exciting events from time to time.
1: Yeah, like because what's, Liberty what's Media will take risk that? on something. Well, what's the problem? What's the problem with being an F one feeder series? In all honesty, like what's what four hundred and fifty million people around the world watched Formula One. Was Kart
0: not essentially an F one feeder series for and, the elite and, and drivers? And Pat,
1: like that's what I'm saying. Like people, I mean, people hate the idea, but you can't explain to me why you don't like it. Because then, in the end, there's only 20 drivers that can drive Formula One cars, okay? It's not all of a sudden going to be uh, double the capacity, there's going to be 40. So that means some of the world's best drivers are still going to be racing an IndyCar.
0: Think about, yes, there are IndyCar guys who got shots in F1, Michael Andretti, Jacques Villeneuve, um, but it was largely a lot of guys who tested in F1 or came over from F1. I mean, your Eddie Cheevers, your Danny Sullivans, Emerson Fittipaldi, and I'm just naming off some of the yeah. you know more star players. The, it It's not like there are guys going to F1. And, and guys came back, too. I mean... Right, it was a two-way street. I, I mean, like It's not like they were lost forever. Uh, uh, this thought from Chad underscore 15. Pinsky Entertainment helped any car in the Speedway survive COVID. What else has been accomplished, though? How can a series that pushes technology have the same engines and chassis since 2012? If the series exists just enough for the 500, it seems Penske Entertainment is happy.
1: Uh, yeah, I think if um I you look at it is if Liberty look what look what Liberty Media has done with Formula One. really, it's insane. Okay, they are willing to invest a lot of money, and if IndyCar was sold to Liberty Media and Liberty Media said we're going to keep the Indianapolis 500. And we're going to try to keep the red. Like, like, you can drop these contracts. Yeah, you could drop this stuff. I don't think that 500 going away anytime soon. No. In fact, it could become more popular than it is now if it was affiliated. Think about the way.
0: marketing aspect that we're and, talking about. And
1: people here. that are grasping it at ovals, IndyCar's grasping. Like, there are no solid ovals on the schedule outside of of the 500. Let's be real. Texas is gone. Who knows if it comes back? Um, Iowa, you never know. The, the music acts dry up and that goes away. And now you have Cup Race in there, so good luck with that. Gateway's barely hanging on. Who am I forgetting? Among ovals? I mean, Texas is gone. Texas, so you have... You mentioned Milwaukee? Yeah, Milwaukee's back, but it's it already tried to come back before. It didn't work. So, So quit holding the sanctity of these ovals around, because there are no concrete top ovals on the schedule anymore outside of the 500.
0: I mean, there, there are is no a, thriving ovals. There is a concrete oval just outside Nashville, the Nashville super, super speedway. speedway.
1: <laughs> like this is the thing. Like imagine if Liberty Media bought it and say, yeah, yeah, we're going to make it change some things, but we're still going to have a diverse schedule and we're going to take some chances and we're going to promote races, something that Penske doesn't want to do outside of a couple events, right? And it's m- billions of dollars that a, a, a entity that is willing to thrust into Formula One, and if it did it in car, great. I don't know if there is one iota of what people are fearful of with with Liberty Media as being factual. Show me one piece of factual oh, information. Oh, they're, they're
0: worried that Liberty will take car away from what we know it as as far as what, being What, fledgling
1: that, series that well, barely has a future? <laughs> is that what you're afraid of? Not you, I'm just saying no, that. Yeah, I,
0: I see your point. No, sh- I think more of moving it away from like the diverse schedule as far as barely holding on to a diverse schedule. I know it's like, but like having, you know, the, the 17, 18 events and having, you know, the mix of ovals and road courses and street course problem is there's only one super speedway. There are no intermediate ovals. Uh, you, you at least got short ovals back on the schedule, which was a glaring, you know, problem, uh, over the last few years, you got that fixed. Um, you brought back new events. I, I just think people don't want to see, you know, the Indy 500 and then just a bunch of street races. Right. And I think that's the fear.
1: I get it, but you're almost there anyway. And, and let's say Liberty, could you imagine, let's say Liberty media bought it and says, okay, you're keeping it. We're keeping everything. We're going to be separate, but you're also going to race on the weekends. The formula one races, in the United States, you're going to race at Coda on Saturday. You're going to race at Miami on Saturday. You're going to race at Vegas on Saturday. Maybe you'll race at the Canadian Grand Prix. Maybe you'll race at the Mexican Grand Prix on Saturday. You're telling me that wouldn't be the biggest boon to IndyCar? Huge crowds. And that's what I'm saying. Huge crowds, international crowds, people are watching. Like, you try to sit there and tell me that wouldn't be a good thing. Not you in particular. I'm telling these people that are upset that that Liberty Media could do this. There's no evidence that they would. It's like fear fear mongering. You can tell you can't tell me that that wouldn't be the greatest thing that's ever happened in any car in the last generation. That oh my gosh, all of a sudden you're racing Saturdays at Formula One events. But I don't want anybody to be a junior lead. Ser- you already are a junior series to Formula One. Let's be real. It's a you're you're in the you're a speck in the eye of Formula One. You're barely a speck in the eye of 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 uh, of Cup and NASCAR. But God forbid. You know that's uh, there's an entity that wants to buy you that invest. Liberty Media is not buying you to. And here's here's my closing thought on this. Liberty Media isn't buying you to gut it because there's nothing to gut. Yeah. with IndyCar. Yeah, this, yeah, they're it, buying to grow it. This isn't a serious threat to Liberty Media or Formula One. It's not. Okay. Well, and if
0: they have IndyCar in their portfolio, they just see another racing series that yeah. they can develop and grow. Because think about this. IndyCar is. As far as we know, and again, we don't because they're not a public company, but as far as we know, financially is actually pretty solid at the, like not great, but like better than it was, it's not bleeding money. Like it was for years and years and years. Like it seems to be pretty solid financially. Liberty media is, they want to come in and and take it to the next level. Why would they gut it? Because IndyCar doesn't compete with formula one.
1: No, it's, it's not like. You can't compare it to like Pepsi and Coke, and Pepsi would buy Coke and then just completely eliminate the product because it's a rival. Is IndyCar is not a rival to Formula One? It's not a rival to Cup. It's two completely different things. Uh, I'd go the same thing if NASCAR wanted to buy IndyCar, and people are like, "Oh my gosh, they're just gonna gut it and do all this." And no, it's not a threat. So they want to buy it and grow it, and uh, but unfortunately, too many people can't see through that. Like, like somebody sent me. Maybe we're missing the obvious, but show me something that says Liberty Media would destroy IndyCar if it bought it.
0: Again, they've already invested in a team. I just want to remind people that because I think it's easy to forget.
1: And that's... Well, I mean, you say you could work out pretty well, but Meyer Schenck has stung pretty bad last year. <laughs> so maybe it's not the rest, best idea. But no, I, I just... Uh, I don't buy into the fear-mongering of, oh my gosh, if Liberty Media, they're just going to destroy IndyCar. I'm not buying into that.
0: Yeah, I, I don't maybe, buy into that either. Maybe
1: it would take it into the 21st century. Maybe.
0: <laughs> Uh, Several other uh, notes to get to in the mailbag this week. This from Beans B-Card blog. Yes to an IndyCar road race in Arlington, Texas, but I'm obviously biased. So obviously from Arlington. We talked about that last week as far as being a possibility. Uh, This from Poet Shevchenko. I'm really hoping to see the hybrids debut at St. Pete because that's one of the few races I see in person. Uh, Well, that's not going to happen. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, Also from Beans B-Card blog. I feel like IndyCar's biggest predator is itself can't get out of its own way
1: well said lacks conviction to try things it's just it's fine bringing up the tail end of uh auto racing in north america It's comfortable with that
0: and then uh i, I posted why not wait until 2025 at this point in regards to the hybrids and Chad underscore 15 said most likely will be jeremy from hbg saying that's coming in a December 26th announcement.
1: <laughs> I could see it. Mid- why not
0: wait till New Year's Eve? Yeah,
1: I, I, I could see a mid-February when still teams haven't tested. Where they'd be like, yeah, this isn't a good idea. But I don't expect to see these things before 2025.
0: That wraps up the mailbag. Uh, time for news and notes. And, of course, we have plenty of items to get to. Not not as crazy as, I think, some weeks. But we have new numbers for Meyer Shank Racing. Mm. Tom Blomquist will be the number 66, Felix Rosenquist the 60, and Elio will remain the 06. Meanwhile, nice. Enzo Fittipaldi uh, continuing on in F2. So you can say goodbye to him competing in IndyCar next year. Uh, the Thunderbirds, the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds, will perform the Indy 500 flyover. So that's, that's pretty awesome. cool. I always love the stealth personally, but the Thunderbirds would be different.
1: I don't they haven't had the stealth in a while, have they? The B2? Uh, yeah,
0: I don't think so. I think it's been a bit. Uh,
1: that's always pretty cool. I've seen the Thunderbirds a couple times. Uh, they're pretty awesome. I'm partial to the um, Blue Angels because yes. when we go down to Pensacola uh, for spring break, they're always practicing on every Tuesday, Thursday, which is awesome. But Thunderbirds are phenomenal. That'll be cool. Uh,
0: and keeping it with the Indy 500, Dry and Reinbold Racing we will have two entries, uh, according to team boss Dennis Reinbold, that in a racer.com article. And I could have guessed this before reading the article. <laughs> Ryan Hunter-Reay and Connor Daly. I'm I'm not surprised in the move. It it makes sense. So where does that lead? Stefan Wilson. Well, he's still shopping around. He is back to 100%, the good write-up on racer.com on that, but he's trying to find a seat for the race.
1: It's good to hear that uh Stephen Wilson is is fully recovered, but uh it may be tough to find a seat for the 2024 500.
0: Yes. I, my guess is we're once again topping out at 35, 36 entries, as always. Uh, Justin Marks that says Team Trackhouse could enter the Indy 500 as soon as it finds a compelling opportunity, but added, if we go to the Indy 500, the only way we do it is if we do it as a double with one of our NASCAR Cup drivers. We're not going to do it just to do it.
1: Mm, that tells me they're not interested right now in doing a full season. Yeah. But, they but, just, but again,
0: uh, the double, they'll do it.
1: Yeah, but uh, the uh, they're jumping into MotoGP. Yes. Which is interesting.
0: It It is interesting.
1: So we'll see. Hopefully it continues to work out for track house racing. I imagine they would dabble into one-offs first before they would but become a full-time the, team. The
0: problem is Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez aren't like, no. they'd have to be the Project 91, right?
1: Yeah, I mean or maybe just hire a third, yeah, a third driver for the Coke 600 and that and and put him in both seats. I don't know how that would work out, but hopefully. I mean I hope it works out for them um because they're they're a breath of fresh air for Cup.
0: Uh meanwhile, Paul Tracy is entering the Bathurst 12 hour. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh Paul just when you think he's done. Yeah. So um, he uh actually previously did this race in 2019. I, gu- I guess I I missed it. He was an injury replacement for Boris said, if you remember that name in NASCAR. Yep. Uh, but Road Course Ace will be with uh Paul Morris. So he's with Paul Morris that year, he'll be with Morris's son Nash. Uh, Techworks Motorsport Innovation Race Cars GT. So pretty cool to see PT uh back racing the. Twelve hour race will be held at February sixteenth through eighteenth. It's a race that I always am like, oh, it'd be cool to watch, and then it's like the middle of the
1: night, and <laughs> I'm asleep. <like, laughs> yeah,
0: I love the idea of it, just maybe not so much the execution.
1: I've always wanted to watch the Pikes Peak Hill Climb too, and I yeah, I, I don't know if that's even on broadcast television anywhere. Because I'm sure year, there's a way
0: to stream it. Yeah,
1: but um, always want to watch it every year, and every year I forget.
0: Uh St. Pete three day tickets on sale now. GP stpeetscom slash tickets. That's where you get the info there. And a couple of uh, happy notes, Scott McLaughlin, a uh, new puppy. Oh, pretty cute.
1: That's huge until you have a baby like Alex below. Yeah.
0: And then Alex below. Um, and it's confusing because they do the, the day first, then the ah. month, you know, uh, so born December 4th, but Lucia, uh, so Alex Blow has a daughter. So congrats to, to him the world. Lucia, and his wife.
1: You have a championship father. Yeah, two time
0: champion. Two time championship. Two-time
1: championship
0: father. Now it's just paying all those legal bills. <laughs>
1: yeah, He's a double champion with all these bills coming in from Hopefully multiple that, teams. That
0: contract with Ganassi pays quite <laughs> well.
1: Oh man, keep winning and you'll be able to pay yeah. off that debt. Yeah,
0: if you. If you win, you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be just fine. All right. That leads us to our random split air driver of the week.
1: All right. We're going to the uh, 2001 IRL season and we're going with Brandon Irwin. What? Brandon Irwin.
0: Sometimes I'm like, you're making up names (laughs) because I was very much a fan for the 2001 IRL season.
1: Well, you weren't, uh, you can't remember Brandon Irwin. He actually raced in a fair amount of races. Let's see. uh, Six total. Oh, no. 5 total did not qualify for the 2001 Indianapolis 500 but his top finish was 14th at Phoenix he was 17th in Homestead 27th at Atlanta and 22nd at Texas the race after the 500 which it traditionally used to so be So Texas 1 Texas 1 yes cuz that's when um, they did two Texas races Yes cuz Texas 2 was a season finale i think back then Yes um he did interesting i guess he did four races with McCormick Motorsports I think I've heard of them. The name sounds uh, familiar. They debuted in 1996. Uh, the Indianapolis 500. So, uh, but then two years later came back and did the Infinity Pro Series for Sam Schmidt Motorsports. Did the almost the entire season, uh, which is kind of weird after racing in the 500. Uh, 2005, he drove a winged sprint car in Texas and surrounding states. Uh, his current hometown race is the Devil's Bowl Motor Speedway Dirt Track in Mesquite, Texas. He currently works in law and real estate. So, looking at McCormack Motorsports, and its last or its best finish was the nineteen ninety nine Indy two hundred at Walt Disney Motor Speedway The <laughs> World Speedway. Excuse me, finished a fifth place with Raul Bozell. Um, but only raced five races that year. I'm looking at the two thousand one Indianapolis five hundred, and looking at who did not qualify. And Brandon Irwin was one of those. He was replaced by Jimmy Kite. So he failed to qualify. I have Jimmy Kite's autograph. Must have, you've you mentioned that too. Uh, many times. So I'm trying to get the story. Was he just too slow? Um, or I don't think he wrecked, but he was replaced, Brandon Irwin, by Jimmy Kite, who also then failed to qualify.
0: You know who else failed to qualify? Casey Mears. Yes. Didier André, Roberto Guerrero,
1: uh, Stan Waddles, Tyce Carlson, uh, A veritable people, who's who. Yeah, and don't worry, I already looked up Didier Andre to try to see if I could use him t- for this podcast. Could not, so I found Brandon Irwin. <laughs> um, that was um, when Steven Tyler.
0: Oh did no! The yeah, yes. Oh Banner. no! And the home of the Indy 500. Oh man, never forget that. <laughs>
1: Oh man. It did. But uh, Brandon Irwin was able to watch it. Not from, uh, from the field, but not in the field because he didn't make it, but uh, five races and done uh, did not qualify and was replaced at the 500 to try to qualify. And then uh, came back as an infinity pro series driver two years later and then was done. So just another gem of a random split era driver of the week. Mr. Brandon Irwin.
0: Wow! Uh, once again, you found someone I have
1: never heard of. Just when I think that I'm running out. No, not even close. My list now is like it's got to be 50 drivers on this list. Oh, I'm I'm sure it's, it's amazing. I'm sure Which, it's, it's I'm it's, sure it's probably a hundred plus, and it's not a lot of time. Like we're talking split era. You're talking what eight years?
0: Ninety six st- to two thousand eight. 2000- I mean,
1: you got twelve. Uh, yeah, I guess. But you can't pick anybody from the later IRL years because we know them all. <laughs> because even the random ones are like notorious. But uh, it's still a lot of like, you're talking, let's say a decade, a fair decade to have 50 drivers that you've never heard of. Like that's how inconsequential these series were. The the, the early IRL and the later champ car. Yeah. Just- IRL
0: nine, you know, 96, 97, 98, 99 in particular. And then champ car, basically any time after 2003. Yeah. Because just- that's, or, or sorry, cart. But then when it became champ car, which would have been yes. what? 2004 on through 2007. Yes. Just wait till you get to 2007. The, the thing is with that, there are so few drivers participating that you've probably heard of them. Right. Yeah, probably 2004, five, six, 7
1: It's just amazing. When we started this. We were like, oh, this right, this'll, this'll get us through you know, four or five months. no, it's like, we're going. We got 50-some guys and still going strong. It's wild.
0: Absolutely wild. All right, well, that wraps it up for this week on New Track Record. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. We'll be back with next week, hopefully, less shenanigans here on New Track Record Podcast. You never know.
1: Podcasts by Federated Media.